The World of Dark Ages podcast presents Side Quests, tidbits and inspiration for the Dark Ages. Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Side Quests. My name is Jacob. And I'm Peter. So, real life has been a pain, which is why there was no podcast last Friday, and this podcast is a side quest. But anyway, before we start, we have an announcement. We now have a Patreon. So far, we don't really have any special cheers or anything. If you sign up, you'll get a, a shout-out in a podcast, and uh, you can use it to ask questions and suggest topics for side quests. Uh, we might add other content later, but right now we do have our hands full enough uh, just with the main podcast. The page yeah. should... What? Sorry? No, no, I'm just saying that if, if you have any suggestions that you would like to see on our Patreon page, you are welcome to suggest it. Oh yeah, definitely. If you have any ideas to what we, we can do, uh, please suggest it uh, and, and we'll see. Uh, the page should be up and running by the time you're listening to this unless I have managed to mess something up, which is always a possibility. Uh, we've shared the news on the podcast uh, Facebook page, so if you're a member there, you will already know this. Any money we earn from the Patreon will go towards Peter getting an external microphone. Once that is done, well, we'll see what else can be needed for the uh, the podcast. The Patreon page is www.patreon.com slash W-O Dark Ages. So, you know, uh, W-O-D-A-R-K Ages. Um, as mentioned, it's linked in the Facebook group and the link is also in the description of this podcast. Uh, anyway, uh, speaking of suggestions, uh, we've had a few suggestions on stuff to talk about on a side quest from Luke Langstrat, um, who did it on our Facebook page. So that's what we're going to be doing with this side quest. Peter, what have we got? Well, the the first thing that we're we're kind of jumping off uh, is uh, what what kind of favors immortals would exchange. Uh, with each other, and I'm I'm thinking that, uh, or or I'm assuming that his question is is from uh, from a kind of historical point of view that what what would be fitting and and what could you actually give uh, to people because you you can't really join someone's uh, Patreon back in the Dark Ages. <laughs> uh, so uh, so so yeah, that's that's our jumping off point. Uh, do do you want to start, or should I just go ahead? Well, I think if uh, if you start with uh, with your ideas, and I'll uh, I'll jump in when uh, when something catches my fancy. Yeah, sure. Uh, so so I'm 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 thinking if if we start out at around twelve hundred to to see uh, look a bit what what you could actually what, what what you could actually do because like I said there are quite a few things that aren't around so so you can't really pay for someone's fancy uh, all inclusive trip to the Bahamas or something like that. Uh, but w- what is really important in, in this time, and, and I think it's kind of suiting uh, considering um, the theme of, of vampires, is that uh, basically anything connect- connected to to landowning uh, or, or property or, or things like that was uh, was was something huge. So so you had like the nobility. Uh, they they were landowners, and to to get the most out of their land, uh, they didn't have to pay taxes, uh, and and this could also be extended to uh, to to the peasantry uh, to some extent, uh, and and if you switch around, that being being tied to the land where you live, as mo- a lot of peasants were, uh, 
uh, meant that you you owed not only fealty to your to your feudal lord uh, lord, uh, but also that you had to work for for the lord, uh, not not only taking care of of your own uh, farming and and uh, stuff like that. You also had to work uh, work the lord's uh, fields. Uh, so so I'm I'm thinking that anything that could could do with that, like like the easiest, of course, would just be to to give. Um, a bit of land to to your friend or like the the prince basically acting like a feudal lord hang, handing out land to each other uh, but you could also have uh, n- not necessarily things that that a vampire could use themselves but a vamp- vampire could use to to influence mortal society so for example uh, the rights to to mills uh, to be, because not everyone had their own mill to uh, to ground their flour, so you, you usually had, uh, especially in the places where you could have windmills, because you can't place windmills or water mills in just anywhere. So you, you have them; they, they were kind of communal. You you had them in a good place, yeah. and and people would would come there, and 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 the rules for who got to ground their flour first. Uh, could could be very complicated and, and hierarchical. So so for example, of course, like the, the clergy or the nobility have to get their flower first. Uh, they they shouldn't have to wait around for some lowly peasants to uh, to, to ground theirs. Uh, and and of course, this you can use to uh, as a power tool. You can use it to or tool of power. Uh, you can. Power tools weren't invented back then. <laughs> uh, so, so like if if you if you are always the family that has to wait until everyone else has grown a flower, uh, there is a risk of starvation if if you can't uh, make bread from from the flower. Uh, it, it's a status thing, uh, and uh, and and if you have to wait until uh, everyone else is done, you you don't really control your time. Uh, either because you have to be there when it's your time, you can't just launch about. So, so everything else you have to do back on the farm or, or whatever you're working with uh, is kind of put on hold, which again kind of put restraints on on things like that. So, uh, so, so a thing like this would uh, could just just owning or controlling um, uh, a mill would uh, uh, would offer quite a lot of influence over over the the mortal population. Yeah, and, and I actually, I that that gave me kind of an idea. If you want to translate it into sort of a vampiric perspective, let's say that we have, uh, because we always have a monastery, but let's say yeah. that we do have a a monastery or a priory, whatever, connected to a, a city which is under the domain of a vampire, and this uh, monastery has a sick house. Now, uh, the the vampire who has the monastery as a domain can then control who goes into the sick house to feed. Uh, from uh, the people there uh, yeah. who may sure they may be laid up with some disease so you don't want to feed from them but they could also be laid up with a broken arm or a toothache and they can then say all right well uh, I have first right to go and feed but I'm full so the next one in line well that would be uh, uh, my maybe my child, but I could, as a favor to someone because they have uh, done a service for me, I can then grant them the right to go in before. And then, just like with the mill, you establish uh, a hierarchy of who can go in and feed. And then at some point, uh, you will say, Well, 
you can't go in and feed now because you uh, all the feeding has been done so so you'll have someone who will always have access to that blood and someone who'll have to wait and see all right is the people ahead of me in the hierarchy are they going to go feed tonight or can i go feed so so the people who are behind the hierarchy can will will be in a sort of desperation position where they're then shown their uh, stance within the, the greater vampiric hierarchy in that they will always have to stand in line. Like you said, their time isn't their own, and time is a valuable commodity. Yeah, especially if you're a vampire and you, you have to get back before the sun comes up. And, yeah. and of course, if, if you want to spin on this like, like a plot point, you can always have this asshole prince who goes and feeds, even though he doesn't necessarily need to because... Uh, he has other places uh, to to feed on or from, uh, but but he does it just as as uh, just stating his power that yeah I'm I'm going to feed here tonight, which means that you can't, so you have to mm. you have to go hungry for the for the day or or relax. yes as a show of power and privilege, basically say I do this not because I need to, but because I can. Yeah, exactly, and 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 this is something that. You, you can see even in mortal society the, the manifestations of power uh, and uh, b- because if if we go back in time like to, to the Viking ages money you, you did have money but but the, the real thing to do was to, to show off wealth and, and to kind of uh, connect groups together was either either through gifts like uh, when when you went raiding when you went the Viking and you got back home and you had a bunch of I don't know silver from from England or something. You would hand it out to people to show, like, yeah, I'm I'm the one to be with. Stick with me, and you get all this fancy stuff. Um, and and similar things could could happen with vampires. Like, yeah, if uh, if, if you stick with me, you can you can always feed. Look, I have access to all of these peasants. Um, so that's that's kind of my my first idea to to yeah, have. Yeah. The idea of largesse has always existed in in mortal society, yeah. so it would make sense that it also existed in in uh, human society because you go all the way back to uh, the Greek uh, mythology and and the stories of the Romans and everything. You will see that the giving of either gifts or food or throwing parties for people when you had you had the money that was a way for people to show off, and there was nothing. There was not this idea of being um being humble that i mean there the, the, the it's actually kind of a funny thing because christianity has an idea of someone being humble and modest and that comes into very very sharp contrast with society as a whole so it was expected of uh the clergy that they were humble and modest and if you look at uh, the stories of the time and the reality of the time, not uh, not everyone was there. There were a lot of stories of the greedy bishop and the uh, the the um, uh, abbot who who wore golden rings. Uh, but but there was an expectation of when people <clears throat> had wealth, they should show it off. And then the church kind of went, all right, but how about showing it off by giving alms to the poor and by helping the less fortunate? Um, and that could also be interesting for uh, for vampires, where you could you may have um, an influence of uh, <clears throat> of of people of, of vampires who follow the the road of heaven or or uh, believe that Christianity is a way for their souls to be saved. They could t- say to the prince uh, that you should show 
your largesse towards the neonates and the lesser fortunate vampires. And the the prince might either go, no, 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 I am going to give my gifts to the more, more powerful vampires who can support me. Or the prince might say, all right, well, as a way of showing just how powerful and mighty I am and hopefully also uh, making sure that these young vampires then support me, I'm going to to show largesse towards the younger vampires. Yeah, and, and of course, everything's relative even back then. So so my humbleness or humility as, as for example, a prince, be I mortal or vampire, uh, can, of course, be more, more grander uh, and grandiose than if you're a lowly peasant or a neonate. So, so my, my humble little, little uh, late-night dinner for, for friends could be a great feast uh, because, you know, I could do a lot worse, so to speak. I, I have a lot more, but I'm, I'm not bringing it out because, you know, I'm a humble guy. Uh, yeah. So, so you, have, you have that uh, thing as well. Um, but, but, yeah... Um, um, uh, so, so yeah, you, like access to to things uh, is is something is uh, uh, is something especially a, a lord could give to to someone uh, in in lower standing. Um, and and I'm thinking that if if you want to go with with a kind of classical, um, not not necessarily fantasy theme, but but kind of a, a, a theme that is uh, quite common in. Uh, both in in medieval fiction and and later on and and kind of folklore and stuff as well. Um, if if you give someone uh, the for for example the, uh, uh, the the right to guard a bridge, mm. uh, that that would mean that that person could could uh, gather toll uh, from from any, anyone crossing it if they wanted to or or if they got the right to do it. Uh, and and you have all these uh, in in Arthurian legends you have kind of like the the night what uh, guarding the bridge challenging yeah. people to to, uh, to be allowed to cross over uh, and of course they make fun of this with the black knight in uh, monty python's search for the holy grail um excellent movie uh, oh yeah definitely well worth watching if uh, for some reason anyone listening to this haven't seen the movie <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, i'm kind of assuming anyone who's seen this or who, who's listening to this podcast yeah. will have seen the movie but just in case you hadn't monty python and uh, the holy grail just go and watch that movie it yeah. is hilarious and yeah. surprisingly awesome uh, uh, arthurian mythology they, they get a lot of things right yeah, yeah, in in their own twist of ways, but, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so I'm I'm thinking that like you you could easily have um, the the I don't know per, perhaps an an old Bruja who is who is still guarding a, a, a crumbling keep or or tower next to a bridge, and and his entire thing is is challenging uh, vampires crossing it or going through his lands because he he's old school and he likes. Uh, not necessarily that he wants to fight to to kill, but but to challenge himself and and to show that he's he's the best around. And and of course the twist with this is yeah he he got that keep 250 years ago from from the local prince because he he thought that yeah he's he's just gonna sit around and and perhaps collect taxes or or tolls from from the uh, human merchants passing through. Uh, but now he doesn't, and I can't really take it back because that would that would reflect bad on me if I if I take back a gift that I uh, have been given once. And and so you can you can have this kind of diplomatic social game with yeah. Once you give a gift, 
especially if, if it's something physical like like property uh, it's it's going to be hard to take it back because you, you don't really do that lightly because that could be an offense and and this taking land from someone was a way of punishment uh, back in this time you you have um you you have all this the 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 uh, the, the scheming of, of English kings around this time when, when you have uh, basically, yeah, kind of, kind of Game of Thrones actually because you, you oh, have yeah. like the king favoring one family and, and he takes land from, from another family to give to that family and that first family gets pissed off and they start a, a feud and, and then the king is replaced and then he gives land to someone else and so on and so on. Um, and and of course, if, if you really want to go like the, the full... Um, kind of adventuring fictional route you you can have these uh ba basically the troll under the bridge but it's a bruja instead guarding his bridge and and not letting anyone pass until they fight him uh in in a fair combat perhaps uh, yeah so so that's that's one thing that that you can do quite a lot with yes and the whole thing about property is um i mean we're so used to um a combination of owning things and the fact that owning things maybe isn't that important. For example, um, I don't own the apartment that I live in, um, uh, and um, uh, there are there are a lot of people who live in in rented places. Whereas in the Middle Ages, the idea of owning where you live was so important. Um, I think perhaps maybe uh, American listeners will understand better than European listeners. I've noticed that in America, there is uh, this idea about owning your own house being the ultimate um, thing. Whereas in, in Europe, uh, I think most people, uh, they might uh, maybe would like to uh, own the place where they live, but they're just as happy to rent where they live. But in, in the Middle Ages, the idea of actually owning where you live was such a big thing. And anything you owned was important. And there were very strict laws regarding ownership and and ownership, not just of land, but as I said, of of, of living places and uh, burghers uh, in in cities were very uh, keen on that. So, so the whole thing of granting access to something that you own, like you mentioned, uh, is is a greater thing that uh, it it was in uh, that is in in modern days because people didn't own as much as uh, as we own today. Uh, because we are that much, much richer and we live in a society where you have that many more things that you can and in many cases must own um, in order to, to just, you know, live in, in modern society. And ownership was was so important that if you look at, at medieval um, laws, murdering someone might sometimes actually be a lesser crime than stealing from someone uh, because if you look at how you were punished if you killed someone you might get away with just paying that person's family an amount of money and then that was it showing that uh, life itself was a property you owned your life whereas if you if you um, robbed someone you could end up being branded or having your hand cut off or even be executed which is something that was rare for murder it was rare for someone to be executed for murder if they could pay it off or or uh, you know somehow uh, otherwise get get away from it 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, so, yeah, you, you had the concept of, of uh, wear guild, uh, which basically means uh, man fine. Like if, if you kill someone, uh, you, you yeah, have wear, to Yeah, that's, wear, that's man. That's where the word werewolf comes yeah, from. Yeah, exactly. Well. Uh, and and what's what's funny is that in a lot of local laws, uh, it, it's kind of like if, of course, it's always more expensive to, to kill an important person. Uh, but then like foreigners and and uh, and people that that you didn't like uh, they they were less expensive so to speak so so and and what's interesting is like so so the lo- local laws in one county in Sweden would of course have a higher fine for for murdering people of their own con- county uh, and um, and and then then the region and then the country and, and so on and so on and and of course the the county next to it would have the same like so, so it, it could be, d- depending on which side of the county line you were standing on, it could be more or less expensive, depending on <laughs> who you murdered. Because if, if you happen to murder someone from the same county that you happen to be in, then it would be more expensive. But if you could cross the county li- line, then, then you would be in another county <laughs> and, and the person you killed would be uh, a, a dirty stranger and, and be less expensive. Uh, Excuse me, could you just come over here? Yeah, Why? Yeah, no exactly. reason. No reason at all. <laughs> Please ignore the salt that I'm holding. <laughs> yeah, uh, and but another thing on, on the importance of, of owning property, um, political influence. Like when when you had in in Scandinavia, we had the the things, um, which was basically local local gatherings, uh, kind of like town meetings in in the U.S. If if I'm understanding the U.S. properly, which yeah. I'm not sure. I don't, but. Uh, but of course, to to be allowed to uh, take part of these meetings, uh, you you had to have property, and and this goes on like even up into to modern times, uh, when when we start to see the uh, advancement of democracy and and uh, voting rights were often connected to uh, to owning property. So uh, at first, first of all, you you weren't necessarily allowed to vote if you didn't own land. Uh, yeah, servants and, weren't allowed to vote, for example. Yeah, and and then you tied it to like if you have a lot of property, you you will get more votes uh, than someone who just owns a, a small patch of land. Um, mm. So so that's that's something that was up into the 1900s in in Sweden, for yeah. example. So and I mean, so, speaking of speaking of votes, just quickly, that's another hmm. favor that that you could imagine vampires exchange. If you have a situation where uh, a prince is is uh, going to advance a certain thing in their court, and the princess has stated that uh, she's going to be listening to the elders of um, of her city. Uh, an elder might say, look, I owe you a favor. If I v- vote or influence the prince the way you want, mm. then that cancels out the favor. So so v- I, I definitely see uh, votes or, or influence with, with the prince as a favor that vampires would exchange. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking that you, you could probably have a, a system where you basically trade favors with each other because... We're talking about creatures who live for centuries. Yeah. So, so you know, back in in 1711, when I help you out and and you still owe me for that, well, I don't really need your help now. But my friend over in the next city, he's having problems with with some 
uh, Tremere trying to build a chantry. So if you could just go over there and, and talk to my friend and help him with his trouble, then we're even. Um, yeah, yeah, I can definitely see like elders who are these uh, five, six, seven hundred years old having a whole network of favors yeah. they are owed and favors they owe and and it it becoming like uh, this uh, uh, like like dealing with with um, uh, as as is done today That's, financial yeah. uh, mm. things like mortgages and stuff yeah. like that here yeah. you you deal in in favors. Um, and that's that's something you can do when you are when you are as old as you are and when you uh, quote unquote live as long as you do then it becomes this this whole uh, currency I mean because if if you know that you're going to live um, hundreds of years money's good yes but you can always find a way to make money if you're a vampire if nothing else uh, go out uh, into uh, a village if you're uh, road of morality allows it go out into a town or a village slaughter some people steal their valuables eventually you will have enough money but favors is something that that is uh more concrete for them than money is yeah and and this well well not not necessarily in murdering but but the the, the idea of, of favors and and owing allegiance to someone and, and keeping your word is is very much a feudal thing because in in early feudalism if if you didn't keep your word to, okay. to your liege lord, you you weren't nothing. You weren't worth anything. Like why, for example, if we go back to the Vikings, for example, like why why would I follow a lord who who doesn't give me stuff for helping him him out? And opposite to that, why would I, as a lord, give you a bunch of gifts because you never help out when we want to go Viking for some reason? You, you're you're always ill when it comes to uh, gathering people to fight the the Swedes or whatever. Uh, yeah. So so keeping the word and, and being th- this kind of honor society to to stand up for yourself and yes, I'm gonna say be a man because that historically those were the, the people who who had to do this. Um, and and if you just take that idea and, and run with it. From a vampiric point of view, like like you said, if I'm I'm still uh, keeping tracks of favors uh, owed to me and that I owe from 200 years ago, um, because that's important to me, especially if you are a vampire that was around as a mortal back then, um, which could in a way be kind of an interesting clash to to more uh, towards younger people who who don't have the same kind of yeah, let's call it honor or sense of honor. Like, yeah, of course, I'm. I'm can say that I'm going to help you out or that I owe you. Uh, like we do, we, we say that colloquially. Uh, but to me, as a neonate, that doesn't hold as much power. Doesn't mean as much uh, that it does yeah. to you as an elder. And Especially. So, Sorry, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that. So the elder is going to be really pissed off at at this neonate who who says that. Yeah, oh, oh, um, you want me to help you? Yeah, sorry, I can't do it right now because I have other stuff. Uh, so it's it's a clash of uh, not necessarily culture, but uh, age difference. Yeah, because in uh, in the 13th century. Um, 
something uh, that becomes rather important is contracts. I mean, mm. the idea of, of lawyers drawing up contracts is not a modern thing. Uh, in in you, you see here in, in the high Middle Ages, you see more and more stuff being written down. And you, and you can have that class, as you say, with an older vampire saying, well, I've given my word, that's enough. And then a younger vampire saying, I don't see it on a piece of paper or parchment, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I don't see it written down anywhere. Yeah, if it's not written down, then yeah. what? And so you have this clash where the younger vampires are, well, if it's not written down, if we don't have uh, someone's signature or seal uh, on it, then it doesn't really count. And older vampires saying, well, who cares about what's written down? Because when you give your word, that becomes your word of honor. Yeah. And uh, what's important don't here is also the... Don't trust me? Yeah, exactly. And what becomes important here is the perception of... Uh, honor. I mean, I'm I'm currently playing uh, in a, a Dark Ages game, um, a vampire who's on um, the the road of sin, path of the devil, which means he has no honor whatsoever. But if he goes around acting on that all the time, then he may, you know, be really invested in his path. But nobody's going to trust him because it it becomes known that. He, you can't trust his word, and if you can't trust his word, you can't trust anything he's doing. If he shows up in a city saying, yeah, I'm just passing through, everyone's going to go, yeah, he says he's just passing through, yeah, yeah, but exactly. what's he really doing? So you need to maintain this sort of veneer of of uh, of honor, uh, and I think that's also something that, that yeah becomes important in vampiric society is that, that you need to maintain a mask of being... Uh, at least at the very base level, trustworthy. That, yeah. that it can be trusted that if you say you're going to do something, if you say you're going to pay something, if uh, you could be trusted if you if you say that I'm going to follow the rules of the city, I'm not going to go out and diaporize other vampires. You must be trusted because otherwise you are a danger. And given the powers that vampires have, you don't want other vampires being a danger because you may have this. A uh, three hundred year old Brugia who has no political acumen, but he's got enough celerity and potence that if you can't trust him to behave, you want him taken out because otherwise somebody is going to end up in torpor. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a fox in a hen house. So, uh, so yeah, exactly. So you, you need trust, uh, and and you touched on something I I would like to or another kind of favor like traveling because traveling mm. during during the medieval times is uh, can be quite hard especially for a vampire and especially if you don't have teleporting ghoul horses or, or what have you. <laughs> uh, so so like if if you own a ship for some reason uh, that could be that, that could be kind of your your claim to power in in the vampiric society because then you can have people or or vampires or goods even you you can transport that in a way that works out for for vampires mm. because if if you have to go by foot or by horse then then you have to find somewhere to to stay the night but traveling by by ship is usually faster it's one of the only ways or it's it's the only way that you can uh, cross large borders uh, ships around this time usually have some kind of of deck or hold so you can stay out of the sun uh, and and again, this this kind of go back, goes back to I, I think the running theme is is kind of influence because if you can travel if you if you have a way of of projecting your uh, your power further than than other people, uh, then then you are in a, in a place of power for that. Like so so if if you have perhaps not just 
a ship, but a bunch of ships, then then you can then then other vampires can come to you and say that yeah, I I really need to be in France next week. Can you help me out? And you can go yeah, sure. Uh, but while you're there, do you mind dropping this letter off for my friend or someone? And I will know if you read it, of course, because that's always a plot point. But but you can <laughs> you can do stuff like that, or or if again if if you are uh, one of these numerous uh, monastic vampires who, who inhabit the monasteries, uh, having ma- making sure that there is a safe place for uh, for for uh, a vampire passing through to just stay the day uh, is is quite a great favor because if if you have to uh, if if you have to uh, just knock on the door of some some peasant because there aren't any taverns or inns around. That's that's going to be quite dangerous because you don't really know how that will end up. Exactly, and I think like this leads us to uh, an interesting point, which I think there's going to be uh, among vampires in the <clears throat> in the medieval era a lot of. Uh, vampires trying to pay for, for things from other vampires where the other vampires are trying to make it into a favor. Like, for example, you say if somebody has a, a ship with a crew that doesn't ask any questions and somebody comes up to them and say, yeah, I, I need to be in France in a week, the one own, uh, owning the ship will say, sure, I can get you there. It's just, you know, you can owe me a favor. And the guy who needs to be in France will go, no, 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 I will pay you this much. And then yeah. they go into a negotiation. Yeah, no, that's... I want a favor. No, I, I want to yeah, pay you because I do not want to be in anyone's debt. Yeah, because like unspecified that. favors. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting idea, actually. And and you can you can take that. So you have this, not necessarily a young vampire, but but you have a really, really clever vampire who realizes that yeah, if, if I have money, then I can pay for a bunch of stuff. And it doesn't necessarily always work. But if like if it works often enough, then all I'm losing is money. I don't I, I'm not owing anyone any favors. And, and of course, other people will will start figuring that out. Like, hey, Bob, he, he doesn't really like giving people favors. He he always pays cash. What's up with that? Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, one um, thing that that I want to uh, to touch on, which is probably going to be the last uh, of my ideas for this mm. favors, is the concept of freedom, uh, mm. which is once again something that we in our modern day don't really think of all that much, but which was a very very important thing in the medieval era. There's a reason why we talk about um, free cities. In Germany, you had the free and imperial cities, and a free city was a city that was not beholden to any noble other than the um, king or emperor. They'd been given a charter which allowed them to elect their own um, city council, set their own uh, taxes and everything, and all they had to do was pay a yearly tax to the king. And that whole idea of freedom was very important uh, even the most lowliest of serf knew one thing. He was freer than a slave. And a free uh, farmer might uh, live a subsistence, li- subsistence life and go to bed uh, hungry most nights, but he was freer than a serf. And a person living in the city, um, a um, an apprentice, might be under the thumb of his master, but at least he lived in a city, so he was freer than a peasant, and so on and so forth. And for vampires, I mean, becoming a vampire would in some way be the ultimate freedom because you are now no longer a part of mortal society. But at the same time, you, you're then enmeshed in the vampiric um, 
hierarchy in society, but giving one's freedom as a favor would be uh, an immense thing. Basically saying something like, I owe you a favor. I will be your cupbearer or your guard or your scribe for the next month to pay off that favor. And it's not just that you're giving a service. I mean, sure, it's it's kind of nice if you have a 300-year-old gangrel as your uh, bodyguard. Yeah. But at the same time, you can go out and just stand there and you will have that 300-year-old bodyguard uh, gangrel standing as your bodyguard. And all vampires who see it will know that person is now serving you. They have given up something that is immensely valuable, which yeah. is their freedom for a certain amount of time. And I think that would be a very strong favor, the idea of I give you my freedom for a set amount of time as this favor. Yeah, exactly. And, and because you you don't know how that person is going to use or even abuse your your servitude to him. So for example, it could just be, yeah, stand, stand around at parties and, and make sure that no one steals the silver, or it can be, excellent, let's go invade France. So, and, and you can't really, again, going back to these things, you, you can't really renege on, on your promise, like, well, oh, are we going to France, well, it doesn't really work that this month, so sorry, and oh, I, I just thought that we were going to stay at home and, and do chill stuff, so I, I wasn't really prepared for us doing anything dangerous. Then if, if you try something like that, you're, you're screwed, basically. Um, mm. And my final thing is uh, the, the the kind of favors because you, you touched on it um, on uh, being a scribe, for example. Because um, I'm I'm started thinking that considering how old vampires or a, a lot of them are, uh, and uh, how uh, <clears throat> how how few of them were probably literate, or I'm I'm guessing that after a few hundred years, you you probably at least learn to read and write a bit but the thing is uh you you might not necessarily read or write with the language or not even the letters that are being used yeah very hard to oh do. yeah definitely so so like working as a translator or, or using translation as a favor uh could could probably be a big thing um, in uh, in in the vampiric society and and this is probably something it it was kind of important for for humans as well but but you had latin as the lingua franca um but for for vampires who who might be thousands of years old or at least a thousand years old uh going back to like yeah i have this document in ancient greek uh, but <laughs> I don't know anyone who who can translate it, or I don't even know what it says. I don't even know what it is. Is it, is it just a, a, a draft to a funny play? Is it a, a binding contract? What is it? But then you can go. Well, I, actually, my my sire knows someone over there who he he speaks ancient uh, Greek, and and what's more important, he also reads and writes ancient Greek, mm. so he can actually translate it for you. Or, or like if you're for some reason, you you are an Italian vampire, uh, and you need to send a message to uh, to a gangrel up in in Norway or something, and uh, you you don't know like do they even speak Latin up there in the the barbaric north north? Uh, do I need to find someone who who is not only willing to to travel there? That might be the lesser problem, but when he actually gets there, he needs to be able to communicate with the locals. So 
Is there anyone in, in Florence who knows someone who speaks uh, Norwegian or perhaps knows someone in Norway who speaks Latin so we can get this <laughs> communication going? Thing, things like that would... Uh, you, you still have the same kind of thing with, with needing to communicate over language barriers in the mortal society, but it could be a lot more for, for vampires because they live longer, they probably travel a bit more than, than mortals, and, and they have... Um, they know languages that that mortals have already forgotten. So, so I think that would be kind of a cool favor to uh, to have like ha- have a Nosferatu or something who's really good at, at linguistics and just knows all of the languages. Yeah, and I mean that gave me an, an interesting idea because yeah, translators for languages definitely, but there's another kind of translation that might be needed. Imagine uh, a. Um, an ancient vampire who's been in torpor and who wakes up and goes, what do you mean there's no more Roman Empire? Yeah. Why? Wh- what's this Christianity yeah. everyone's talking about? Could someone explain it to me? Yeah. Ah, hello there. I am your modern days uh, or nights mm. uh, interpreter. Allow me to explain. Uh, or or a vampire who spent the last uh, 300 years in, in their own little uh, city and then goes outside and goes, hey, what happened to the Carolingian Empire? Yeah, exactly. Things like what, that. What's a Germany? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you could definitely have like that would be a way for neonets to actually earn oh. some some prestige. Is basically being yeah. Hi there. I can explain guilds to you. Yeah. Um, if if that's what you what you want to do. Um, and I and that reminds me. I know I said uh, that the other thing was the last thing, but another favor. Uh, now that I mentioned guilds, I just realized introduction to the right people. Yeah. That's that's just that's just yeah. one thing that that makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah. uh, yes, I'm I'm willing to introduce you to the leader of uh, the local goldsmiths guild or to um, the the counselor to the prince or something like that for a favor. Uh, so, I mean, that's something that you do today. Introduction to the right people, as everyone says, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So, so even even in in modern times, uh, getting an introduction to the right people, like uh, if somebody told me, uh, I will introduce you to a literary agent uh, who will take a look at your book manuscript, I would definitely owe them a favor. Yeah. Hint, hint. <laughs> if anyone here knows any literary agents, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Um, so, but yeah, that that's that's another one. Um, but I think this was a really interesting question yeah I, I think so as well and and we could go on for for quite a bit and but but as a general if uh, Luke if if you want some kind of general guideline on on how I would play it or, or like the general things that uh, it's it's access to people uh, access to property and uh, access to to your own time basically or access to, to yeah. freedom uh, so so those and, and just play around with it uh, it's it's you, you can do a lot of it uh, and and just have fun. Uh, so yeah, should yeah. should we move on for for a quick bit or or should we call it a day? Oh well, uh, Luke had two other questions, and I'm thinking one of them uh, is big enough that that this could be the, uh, its own side quest. But he did ask uh, what a canine mm. in the dark ages would look for when selecting a child, which I think uh, at at the surface looked like a very very broad question. Uh, but I think it's one that we can uh, that I don't think we need to spend that much time on because. On one hand, it's too broad to actually cover, but on the other hand, I'm thinking like if you look at when uh, Dark Ages takes place and where it is um, default set, which is uh, Europe, I'm thinking one of the things that a lot of vampires are probably looking for is someone 
who is not going to freak out when they are turned into a vampire because oh, yeah, yeah. Christianity so permeates mm. medieval society yeah. to a level that I think is difficult for most people to understand. I mean, when when uh, you and I from, from Scandinavia look at America, we see America as a, a, a very Christian uh, country that is very influenced by religion mm. uh, to an extent that, that confounds us sometimes, but it has nothing on medieval yeah. Europe. I mean, yeah. if you lived in a city in medieval Europe, um, the, uh, uh, the the city administration would keep tabs on whether or not you went to church. And if you didn't go to church often enough, enough you would be fined, unless, of course, you were Jewish, but that uh, yeah. had its own problems yeah, uh, be being for, Jewish for in a European Jewish, city. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, so really, one of the first things is figuring out, okay, if I turn this person who is going to be a Christian, if I turn them into a vampire, what is going to happen? Are they going to freak out? Are they going to uh, freak out enough that they're going to commit suicide? Are they going to kill me? Are they going to run to the nearest priest and ask for, um, for forgiveness uh, or ask them to save their immortal soul? Um, and I'm thinking that uh, especially elders who don't understand Christianity, they might have lost a few um, a few prospective children on that one. Yeah, that's I I'm I don't think that a lot of people would commit suicide because that was a big no no sin. But but yeah, I'm, I I totally yeah. get your point because like how how do you deal with with becoming uh, basically sin incarnate uh, or? or religious propaganda incarnate because uh you 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 will become a, a creature of darkness uh, so so yeah it's it's uh it's a it's an interesting twist like uh, or or interesting way to look at it and and i i completely agree with that it, it's it's something that uh that you would probably have to take into account uh, even in in basically any setting in any time period but but as you say christianity is is such a large part of uh, of society and and everyday life uh, so so it's it could be it, you you could probably make it a, a plot point that that at certain times it's quite hard finding uh, suitable candidates for for the embrace because everyone is is so gosh darn it religious um, and yeah. and i'm thinking if if you want to make a plot of it like during the Crusades, when you have like in a general uh, societal um, kind of religious uh, fever or fervor, um, that both <laughs> yeah exactly. So so at, at those points, like uh, it it could be more difficult for for elders to find uh, proper candidates. But but at other times, like perhaps that it, that's why the local uh, the local prince is encouraging the the trading with the cathars because if if you have a if you can accept a bit of heresy when when trading you could probably accept a, a, a bit of uh, immortal demon vampires running around as well or, or you might be a bit more open to the idea um and or, or even worse if you go and or worse that sounded horrible but if if you <laughs> encourage trade with with the muslims or perhaps the pagans up north or what have you uh, then then you will get a bit more uh, of an open society or a liberal society that where where certain people might be more open to to the embrace 
Um, yeah, I think I think like people who either travel or uh, in other ways are exposed to differing ideas. So scholars mm. who've read the works of of non-Christian writers and things like that, those would be prime childhood because, as you said, they would tend to have a more liberal outlook. Yeah, uh, but I'm I'm thinking that another uh, good idea to to or or candidate. For uh, for a child would be like what you mentioned, basically the uh, the modern knights speaking from from the perspective of of, uh, of the twelfth century or, or the dark ages, like just just embracing someone who knows what's going on in society nowadays. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that is that is of course a, a theme that runs through vampiric fiction and and is a staple because it's it. it might be a bit of a stereotype, but it's it's a stereotype and a cliche f- for a good reason. Because, like, yeah, like you said, if if you wake up three hundred years uh, after uh, the, the Roman Empire went away and you try to figure out how society works, yeah, finding finding a, a local who uh, who knows stuff isn't a bad idea, and 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 it's it's probably what you need in a lot of ways. Um, which of course might be interested because a few hundred years further down the line, the the kid you embraced because they know what's what was hip man uh, suddenly <laughs> won't anymore because what are Protestants? I don't know. Isn't everyone Catholic anymore? What what's going on? Uh, so so you you can have like an ongoing theme where where people embrace. Um, newer uh, or, or younger people just to uh, keep up with it uh, which of course can be can cause some some interesting um, kind of personal relationships like if if you got embraced just because you know what the Hanseatic League was and and you know you knew how to uh, how to carry a pigeon for example uh, and and you've been kind of like the, the key uh, to your sire's communication with the rest of the world. But a few hundred years later, they embrace someone new because you can't keep up with, with modern technology anymore. And, and all of a sudden yeah. you have the printing press or, or you have the Pony Express if you if you go to the States. Like, you, you're probably going to be a bit pissed off at, at the new... Kids. Oh, I like that. I love that idea that, that yeah oh no my, my sire has embraced someone uh, he, he he has he has taken a younger child yeah. uh, exactly. I have I have been replaced by, with someone younger because yeah. that person actually knows stuff that I haven't had time to understand yeah. because it moves so fast and I've been doing other stuff yeah. and, um, and this, so I I really like that idea yeah, yeah. And, and this doesn't have to be just a, a cultural thing it, it could do with with uh, and uh, like we mentioned languages uh, if if people all of a sudden are, are start uh, starting to talk Swedish and Danish instead of just Norse uh, you you might need someone to to deal with that or uh, if uh, if you're you're into warfare and all of your knowledge is is from uh, how Roman legions fought, uh, and and then you embraced someone who knew all of this newfangled Viking raiding stuff. Yeah, that's that's really cool. But but yeah. then someone starts inventing the longbow and the heavy cavalry, and and things change again. And and you need to keep up. You, you need to find new stuff just to keep up. Uh, yeah, exactly. So so yeah, that's, um, that's another thing that yeah. you would probably need and then, in, a, in a child. 
Yeah, and one last thing for me would be because uh, one thing that you've spoken a lot about both uh, in this uh, podcast and in others is the idea of community mm. and people belonging. Yeah. I mean, hermits were rare. Everybody belonged somewhere. Everybody had um, a family. There were vagabonds and wanderers and professional pilgrims and hermits and whatever, but they were very much a rarity. So not only do people belong somewhere uh, where there's someone looking out for them and, and knowing they exist, but they're also very, very used to belonging to a community. So if you embrace someone uh, as a vampire, you not only need to understand that you are removing them in some capacity, uh, larger or smaller, from that community, but also that you need to provide for them a new community. Yeah, you can't yeah. just uh, embrace someone and say, congratulations, you're now a vampire. You can never see your former uh, extended family and uh, you're going to be hanging out with me for the next 15 years teaching me these new stuff and you're not going to be interacting with anyone other than me and maybe my ghouls. Yeah. That's a recipe for disaster right there. So you need to be able to provide a familiar framework for your new child. So you need to look for someone where... If you're going to take them away, it can be explained. And if you're not going to provide them with the same kind of framework, uh, you know, you, you, you're going to take have to take a look at that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an excellent point. And and of course, this is why uh, clans are are so important. And later on, the sects as well. That it's it's a way to like we we stick together because yeah, not only do we have to, but we we kind of want to because we have something in common. And there is perhaps literally no one else that shares the same experience as we would. So yeah, that's that's really interesting. Like like if if you belong to an ancient family or or a group of people, like for example the Carolingians, and and mm. you realize that holy shit, I'm I might be the last one, but this family, I I knew their uh, their, their ancestors or or this person perhaps. You you might want to embrace them just because it's it, it's part of your community that you no longer ah, have access. Ah, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, uh, like we mentioned, there is uh, one last question, but that is big enough that I think we should tackle yes. that in an upcoming yeah. uh, side quest. Because knowing us, I mean, we have we have rambled <laughs> on for almost an hour yeah. by now, and we could ramble on for for yet another. Yeah, hour. but it's, it's a good question, so we need to get back to that. Uh, and definitely, and thank you, Luke, for for providing us with these questions. Uh, it's I, I really like talking about it. Yeah, I mean, we, we were we were kind of running out uh, of, of ideas for uh, for side quests. Um, so if you have any suggestions on what we should talk about for side quests, we have our Patreon now. Uh, and um, we'll be checking in on that one uh, to see if, if uh, somebody makes any suggestions, um, stuff like that. And um, if, if anyone uh, makes suggestions on the Patreon, they will uh, obviously get uh, put first in the line. Uh, harking back to what we talked about with the mills and everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, um, uh, I hope that people enjoyed this uh, this discussion because I certainly thought that it was uh, it was really interesting and that we we got into some uh, some interesting areas of both medieval history and vampire lore. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and again, I, I just want to thank um, everyone listening and and the fact that people are listening is is really. 
I, I really enjoy it. I've, I've had a rough time. Uh, things that had ha has happened to, to me and my friends and families is part of the reason why we haven't been able to record the last few weeks. And, and knowing that people are out there and that we have this community really means a lot to me. So, so great, huge thank you to everyone. Yeah. So uh, anyway, next Friday, we will be taking a look at Fountains of Bright Crimson, which is the companion scenario to um, Jerusalem by Night or Dark Ages Jerusalem. Um, but Peter, do you have any last comments? No, I, I think I said enough already. Just, just a great big thank you to everyone. Yeah. All right. In that case, it is goodbye from me, Jacob. And from me, Peter. Farewell and see you next time. Bye.